Have you ever been intrigued by the Bible passages that deal with slavery? The Franklin Church of Christ wants to welcome you and thank you for joining us as Edwin Crozier examines one such passage, 1 Peter 2, 18-25, teaching five principles regarding Christianity and Christian living. We hope you are blessed and edified by this study. Perhaps one of the most disquieting aspects of the Scripture is just the stark reality and honesty with which it deals with just the way the world is and just the way things were without glossing over, without covering up. just explains the way things were when the Bible was written. One of those places in the Scripture that I think we often find troubling when it just dealt with the reality of the way things were in the world are those passages that deal with slavery as it was taking place during the time of Jesus and the time that the New Testament was written. Tonight, I'm not going to present just an absolute thorough study about issues of slavery in the Bible. But I do want us to take a look at one of those passages that deals with slavery. Because I believe that there are some lessons that we can learn in general regarding Christianity and Christian living. And the passage to which I'm referring can be found in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. In 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning at verse 18, Peter wrote to Christians, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly, For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, He did not revile in return, While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. There are five lessons that I'd like for us to take note of here in this passage. The very first lesson that I think we can learn from this passage is that the gospel was sent into the world not in order to change societal order, but to change individuals. I have no doubt that God abhors the injustices that goes along with one person owning another. I have no doubt of that. In fact, history has borne out that the abolition of slavery, almost near complete abolition of slavery in our modern world, came about because of people taking a look at what God's Word says about how one man ought to treat another man. And yet, when Jesus came into the world, and when the Spirit revealed God's Word, 
he did not at all or at any time ever strive to change the societal order that was in place. What's that tell us? God's intent was not to change societal order. His intent was to change the hearts of men within the society. One of the biggest mistakes that is made today regarding Christ's church and regarding the Word of God is a misunderstanding of the purpose of the Gospel and of the purpose of Christ's church. There are numerous people who desire to make of Christ's church and of Christ's Word some type of societal activism. They want to provide social welfare or promote political agenda or change national laws. But that's not what the Gospel was about. When God sent Jesus into the world to die for us, it was not to change the government from imperialism to democracy. It was not to change laws on abortion, on drinking, or even on slavery. He sent Jesus into the world so that individuals might be saved. God's intent was not to change the world so that righteous people might live in it. God's intent was to change individuals so that they might be righteous and live righteously within the world as it is. And therefore, we have passages like 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at about verse 4. Colossians chapter 3, toward the end of the chapter. And it just tells servants, slaves who are Christians, here's how you live within the order as it is. Here's how you live a righteous life. God never intended His gospel to be some social activism. He intended to change the world one individual at a time. And that's exactly what we still do with the gospel. We change hearts one individual at a time. Yes, the world may be changed, but it's through teaching these individuals to submit to Christ not through social activism, not through political agenda, but just by teaching people the gospel of Christ and how to live righteously in whatever situation they find themselves. I'll tell you the second thing that I learned from this passage in First Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 18, is that God asks us to do hard things. Let's face it, put yourself in the shoes of these servants. I have no doubt that there were servants at this time who had masters that were good and gentle, who treated them with dignity and respect and provided them with honor and thanked them for all the work that they did. And I imagine for those servants it wasn't difficult to be able to submit to their masters and to honor them. But let's take a look at these ones who were unreasonable, the end of verse 18 says. If you have the King James Version, I believe, or the New King James, it uses the term harsh. They're harsh. They're unreasonable. Some translations say ill-tempered. How easy would it be for the servant to submit to an ill-tempered, harsh, abusive master who causes him to suffer when he's not doing anything wrong? And that's not easy. How many of us would want to do that? I don't want to do that. 
It's not easy to suffer unjustly. What do we want to do? We want to stand up and cry for our rights. That's not fair. You're not allowed to treat me like that. I don't have to put up with that. But what did Jesus say? He says, endure it with patience. Brethren, that's not easy. There are a lot of people that are willing to accept the easy stuff. But let's face it. Being a Christian means we walk against the grain. We're different. And it's difficult. God did not say being a Christian would suddenly make your life rosy and easy. He said that even Christians suffer and your responsibility is to endure it patiently. That's hard. God asks us to do hard things. And the next time you are tempted to say, or you hear somebody say, I just can't believe God would ask that of me, that is too hard. I want you to remember these servants that were told, when your master is harsh and unreasonable and ill-tempered and abusive, endure that suffering patiently. Because that was hard. But I believe some of them did it. Because they wanted to serve God. Thirdly, one of the things I learned from this passage is that our behavior and our relationships is to be based upon our relationship with God. He says, Servants, be submissive to your masters, whether they're good or gentle or whether they're unreasonable. Why? For this finds favor with God. That's why. Our behavior and our relationships is not to be based on what the other folks in our relationships are doing. I understand that none of us here are servants in this sense. We're not slaves and we don't have that relationship in our society. Praise God for that. But we do have relationships. And God has written in His Word about our relationships. He's talked about our relationships and in the church as brothers and sisters in Christ and our relationships in, in, in the church in its order with elders and deacons and evangelists and saints. It's talked about our relationships with our neighbors and our friends. It talks about our relationships with our co-workers and our employees and our employers. It talks about our relationships in our family, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, parents and children. Talk about all of these relationships. But one of the things that we will never ever find in the Word of God as it talks about any relationship is God saying, alright, here is what you do in your relationship as long as they are doing what they're supposed to do in their relationship. It never once does that. Children, the Bible never ever says that you have to honor your father and mother as long as they don't provoke you to wrath. never says that. Parents, it never ever tells you don't provoke your children to wrath as long as they are honoring and obeying you. It doesn't say that. The Bible never says, wives, submit to your husband so long as they're loving you as Christ loved the church. It never says that. And it never says, husbands, lead your wives with love so long as your wives are submitting properly. It doesn't say that. 
What the Bible always says regarding any relationship is that we have responsibilities in the roles in our lives. And our job, our responsibility is to do what God has commanded us, no matter what they do. And so he says to these servants, if you've got good, gentle masters, you submit to them. Why? Because that finds favor with God. But if you've got unreasonable, harsh masters, you submit to them anyway. Why? Because that finds favor with God and we're living here based on our relationship with God. What's that mean for us? You may have absolutely lousy, rotten neighbors, but your job is to be a good neighbor to them. You may have had friends that have just absolutely betrayed you, but your job is to be a godly friend. Your children may be rebellious, but your job is still not provoke them, but raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You may have parents that provoke you to wrath all the time, but your job is still to honor and obey them. You may have a lousy bum for a husband or a wife, but your job is still to be the husband or wife that God expects you to be. Because our behavior is not based on how everybody else lives. Our behavior is based upon what God says. Period. Number four. I find this to be most interesting. God has called us to patiently endure unjust suffering, not just persecution. A lot of First Peter, First Peter deals with persecution. People who are suffering because they are Christians. But when you take a look at chapter 2, verses 18 through 25, as he's talking to these servants... He doesn't talk to them about persecution. He doesn't talk to them about suffering because they're Christians. He talks about suffering because they've got a jerk for a master. I'm sure that some servants became Christians and their master started abusing them because of that. I'm certain that that happened. But that's not what this text mentions. It's included, certainly. But what's he say? He just says, if you've got a master that's harsh, you still patiently endure the suffering. You go through it. But we've got a problem with that. You know why we have a problem with that? Because we live in America. In America, nobody's allowed to suffer. We're all supposed to have happiness all the time. And we have bought the lie that Satan has sold our society that Christianity is designed to make us happy. And it's not. Christianity is designed to get us to heaven. And that's where we'll be happy. But there's nothing in the Scripture that demonstrates that Christianity is designed to give us happy lives. We can be content because of our Christianity. Content in whatever situation we find ourselves, as Paul said. There's nothing in the Bible that says you become a Christian because you want to have a happy life. Paul was content, but I guarantee you he had days that were not very happy. Jesus was content, but I guarantee you, He had days that were not very happy. Christianity wasn't designed to give us happy lives. God's laws 
were not designed with their ultimate purpose to make us happy in this world. They were designed to get us to heaven. And God writes to these servants and He points out this isn't about your happiness. It's about you serving Me and finding favor with Me. And God understood that not only would Christians suffer persecution, but we'd go through other kinds of suffering. Like the servant who had a master that was a jerk who mistreated him, even though the servant was doing the absolute best job he could do as a servant because he was a Christian. And he was serving his master as though serving the Lord. But the master was abusive and mistreating him anyway. He said, you suffer that patiently. Suffer that patiently. Brethren, I'll tell you where we deal with this the most. We deal with it in marriage today. Because you know what people believe about God's marriage laws? Even people who know what it says, not allowed to get a divorce except for sexual immorality. Even though they know it says you're not allowed to be married again after divorce. Folks have decided that marriage laws, God's marriage laws, are about making us happy. And when they don't make us happy, we're allowed to get out of them. That's what folks believe today. And that's why the divorce rate in the religious world is just as, is just as high as it is anyplace else. But God's laws were never given to give us happiness in this life. And how many people would look at Mr. Servant as he has this harsh, harsh, mistreating master, unreasonable, ill-tempered, and they would say to him, Oh, Mr. Servant, God never... I mean, despite the fact the verse is here, God never, ever expected you to go through something so unfair and so unjust as this. He wants you to be happy. Why don't you just run away? That's what folks in our society would say. That's what Christians even would say. But we need to remember that God knew we would go through suffering. And when we suffer, even though we're doing what God expects of us, we take it patiently. And when we do, we'll be rewarded. And those who mistreat us might just be saved. Why on earth would any servant anywhere suffer like this, patiently enduring it? They're doing the best job they can as a servant, and they've just got a jerk master who's just mistreating them, pressing them, causing all kinds of problems. Why would they do that? I mean, in our society, we'd cry out, unfair, unjust. Let's get the Civil Liberties Union in here and make sure we get this rectified. But God said... Endure it patiently. Why would they do that? Because it says this finds favor with God. And that's what they were concerned about. They weren't concerned about being happy in this life. They were concerned about pleasing God. They weren't concerned about being politically correct. They were concerned about pleasing God. They weren't concerned about following along with everybody else. They were concerned about pleasing God. And said, so this is what finds favor with God. When you patiently endure unjust suffering. And notice he says, because you've been called for this purpose. 
And he brings up Jesus as an example. And, and I've just, so often as I've read this text, I've just wondered, why is this here? Why does he go into to talking about Jesus? Because he goes on and he says some things that, that don't seem to fit in the context, but it's occurred to me that it certainly does. It does fit in the context, especially in the greater context of Peter. Because notice what he says. He says, you're supposed to do this because Jesus did it. You were called to be like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He said he didn't commit any sin. There wasn't any deceit found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he didn't utter any threats. He just kept trusting himself to him who judges righteously. He just said, God is going to take care of this. The Father is going to vindicate me sometime. It's going to happen. I trust him. And I'm just going to do what he says, and he'll take care of it. And he himself, now notice this, verse 24. Because he suffered patiently, notice what happened. Not only was he rewarded, as we can learn from other passages, but notice verse 24. He himself bore our sins and his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. Because Jesus suffered patiently, those of us who put him on that cross are saved. Because he suffered patiently, not only was he exalted and rewarded, but we who have mistreated him with our sins, we who have continually strayed like sheep, are saved. And that's a message in Peter, that you live righteously. Why? Because when you live like you're supposed to do, Joe Christian. Those who mistreat you might see how you live and be convicted and be converted. And I wonder, I wonder how many masters that mistreated their servants were converted because they saw somebody suffer unjustly but patiently endure it. I guarantee you there weren't any who were converted because they saw somebody act just like everybody else does in the world. I guarantee you that. But I wonder how many were converted because they saw somebody patiently endure suffering. When we patiently endure suffering, what Peter says is you'll be rewarded because it finds favor with God and you just might save those who mistreat you. You sure might. Here's the crux of the matter. God never promised easy lives as Christians. He asks hard things of us. But He expects us as individuals to change, to live by His will, even when it means that we suffer unjustly because we're following His law. And when we do that and patiently endure it, we will be rewarded. Paul said, through tribulations, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven. And here were some of the tribulations that folks have to go through to enter the kingdom of heaven. But notice what it says. Trust Him who judges righteously. That's what our Savior did on the cross. He trusted Him who judges righteously. He knew that God would vindicate Him. So should we trust Him who judges righteously. He'll vindicate us. He'll take care of us. He'll bring us through. And in the end, He will save us. What a glorious, amazing, powerful God 
Thank you, Edwin, for that interesting study of 1 Peter 2, 18-25. And thank you for joining us as we study God's Word. Let's remember what we learned today. 1. The Gospel was given to change lives, not societal order. 2. God asks us to do hard things. 3. Our behavior is based upon our relationship with God. 4. God expects us to endure suffering, not just persecution. And five, if we endure patiently, we will be rewarded and those who mistreat us might be saved. We trust you have been edified by this lesson. If you have any questions about Christian living, about the Franklin Church of Christ, or about how you can become one of God's children, please call us at 615-794-2359 or contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Thank you and may God richly bless you.